does not care. You know, God is more concerned with your heart. God's more concerned, in fact, with your heart than He is anything else. Will God use you? Of course He will use you. Will God provide for you? Of course He will. Will God grow you and nurture you? Of course He will do that. Will God empower you? Of course He will. But He is more concerned with the condition of your heart than He is anything else. God's concerned with your heart. Amen. I think we get so caught up in sometimes the working of church of what we're required to do, what we feel like we're required to do, that we forget that most important thing, and that is that great and wonderful everlasting relationship that we have with the Savior. It is the thing that we should be seeking constantly. It is the thing that we should be promoting to others. It is the thing that we should always look at when we're walking. Is not necessarily so much what we're doing, but where is our relationship? I'll ask you a question this morning. When you and your spouse are not necessarily getting along, maybe y'all disagreed on something and you're giving each other the silent treatment. Sometimes we get that silent treatment for two or three days, don't we? Uh, we got one body, We got one person that's married in the church. Who else is married? <laughs> we give each other the silent treatment. We know when something is off in our relationship with our spouse... We should also be just as sensitive whenever something is off in our relationship with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I want to tell you, it is the most important thing. And this is why we always have to know that we are truly still seeking the source of life. How many of us know this morning that Jesus Christ alone is the source of life? I don't just mean your eternal life for those of you that are saved this morning, but I mean your actual life. He is the bread of life. In fact, I wrote a small article about that in the program this morning. If you read about the bread of life, He is what we have to partake of. If you want life, if you want growth, if you want power, if you want increase, and you should want and desire all those things, if you want the fruit of the Spirit present, if you want to be an overcomer, if you want all those things instead of Deadness instead of dead works and no power in deadness in your life. You have to seek life. And if you are seeking life, then we have to always know that we are seeking the source of life, which is Jesus Christ in Jesus Christ alone. In fact, this morning, I'm going to minister on the tree of life. The tree of life. Let's go to the Lord briefly in prayer this morning. I feel like we're rowing upstream this morning. I mean, anybody feel like that in the service today, amen? Church, Lord, what am I going to have to do? I got, uh, can I borrow some matches or something? I'll set a fire somewhere. Y'all want to have church today? Come on, y'all get involved today, amen? Let's have church. Let's hear what God is saying to his people, amen. I think all of us heard a great amount this week, amen. We probably heard from our friends, we heard from our relatives, we heard from our spouses, we heard from our children, but have we truly heard from God? You see, if we'll open up our hearts, open up our ears a little bit and not be so concerned about what's maybe after church or what's coming up, maybe tomorrow and how busyness and all this stuff that we got going in our lives, instead, if we would just set aside those things and 
unload that luggage, amen, and say, right now is the time, right now is the moment, now is the time, like we sing, to come and to worship, now is the time to hear from God. Church, if you could ever wrap your mind around it, it's one of the greatest revelations he ever gave me. I don't know if I'll ever be able to get over it that God speaks to me. Church, isn't that wonderful? When I say me, I'm a simple believer like you are. God speaks to you. Church, that's so overwhelming, isn't it? It's so powerful to think about God and all His busyness, God and all of His glory. He takes time to set aside, to spend time with you, and to speak unto you. Church, that's wonderful to think about. It's wonderful to think about. You've heard me say this before. You can get as close to God as you desire to. Let that settle in your spirit just a little bit. You can get as close to God as you want. Most of the time, we don't want to get that close, amen? You ever notice things look really, really beautiful far away? You ever come across somebody you think's really anointed? You think, oh, they're great. Maybe you watch them on TV or something. And when maybe when you finally meet them and you get a little bit closer to them, you realize, well, there's a little flaw here and there's a little flaw there. Not that you're judging, but you start to begin to see all these flaws. And maybe your impression of that person isn't quite what it was before. I want to flip that around and tell you the opposite of that is that God understands and knows all our flaws even better than we do, yet He chooses to still seek that intimacy, that time, and speak to us and spend time with us, despite all those things. Church, that's a God we serve. Isn't that wonderful? That's powerful to think about what's available unto you and I in Jesus Christ. But we must seek the source of life not just for today, but for tomorrow and the next and the next and the next and on through eternity. It has to come from the source of life. And Jesus Christ has abolished death and dead works through his crucifixion on the cross. Turn with me in your Bibles real quickly. We're going to jump back to Genesis 2. 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 1, starting off at verse 8. Let's go to the Lord in prayer while you're turning there for me this morning. 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 8. Heavenly Father, Lord, we seek, Lord, today, Lord, just a move and operation. Lord, a voice to pierce and to touch today, Lord God. Lord, I feel like, Lord, we're struggling in this service, but, Lord God, nothing is too great for you. You understand every emotion, every attitude, Lord, every thought that we have. It's not our service anyway, Lord God, it's yours. So, Lord, we yield all to you today. Lord, I yield to you, Lord, as a minister. Use me, Lord, as a vessel today to speak the word which you have laid upon my heart. Let not the enemy steal, Lord, a single word or a single thought today. I ask for this anointing, this touch right now, Lord, as your minister, as your speaker, to speak, Lord, your message to your body. Lord, we love you and we thank you today. And, Lord, we have a great expectation of the hearts that you're going to reveal today, Lord God, the hearts you're going to touch. 
and the deliverance and salvation that comes through the power of your word. So right now, Lord God, I ask that conviction would begin to settle on our hardened hearts right now, Lord God. Lord, renew our minds. Help us, Lord, to see, Lord, what you're speaking unto us at this moment. And Lord, give us the courage and the strength and the care to respond appropriately, Lord God. We love you and we thank you, Lord, for this opportunity. And we believe all these things shall come to pass, Lord, in Jesus' name. Everyone in the house said amen. Christ has abolished death. 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 8. This would be the last letter that the great apostle Paul would pen before he was martyred in Rome. He would write to a young Timothy, a young minister whom he had groomed himself. In fact, he spoke about young Timothy as his spiritual son. We don't know that the Apostle Paul actually had any children of his own. In fact, we don't even know for sure if he ever got married. It actually reads like he never actually did get married. We know that he was being groomed as a Pharisee of the Pharisees, so chances are he never actually was married or never had any children. We don't know all that for sure, but it's a strong connection through the Word of God and through the study that those were actually the facts. But we know that he was using a great and grand capacity to spread the gospel primarily to the Gentiles, which is you and I. In fact, if you look at the Apostle Paul, there was a great amount of responsibility that was placed upon him throughout the entirety of his life. I want you to know that God will place a great amount of responsibility upon you in your life, in your walk. It's not just your children, but it is those that you are placed in your little sphere of influence. We all have a sphere of influence. You have a sphere of influence that is people you can reach, you can talk to. In fact, when we study, it says that every person is probably going to influence about seven people in their lives in a great, in a grand capacity. It's around seven is the average. So I want to tell you, you have a great sphere of influence. Therefore, you have to depend upon the source of life constantly, just as the Apostle Paul depended upon the source of life. This was the last letter that he would actually pen before he was martyred. And the Apostle Paul never let his faith begin to waver. He never let it subside. He truly believed that even though the body may perish, that his soul and his spirit would live on for an eternity. You see, Paul knew that he had power over death. Not just death for an eternity in the physical sense, but even in the literal walk that he had day to day, he knew the powers of darkness was going to come against him. He knew there would be trials. He knew there would be tribulations. He knew there would be hardships. But he truly believed, he knew within himself that the power that was within him was greater than the power that would come against him. Therefore, he continually trusted and believed in the source that gave him that power which was the source of life. When he needed to overcome something, when he needed victory over something, when he needed that, he knew that this source of life, which was our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, would give it to him, and he trusted in him by faith. 
Therefore, it didn't matter what came his way, even a physical death. He knew that he already was an overcomer. He knew he was already victorious because Christ that supplied him with life already won the victory for us. Can I get some praise for our Savior today? Hallelujah. He trusted in the source of life. He would tell young Timothy this in verse 8, Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord. How many of us know sometimes it's hard to share Christ, isn't it? How many of you men, sometimes it's been hard to share Christ amongst your peers at work, especially when they're telling nasty jokes and they're showing you nasty photos and they're talking about how much they partied and did all this the weekend before. It's hard sometimes to share Christ. But he would tell young Timothy right here, don't be ashamed of your testimony. Don't be ashamed that you are a witness. You have a story. You have an experience. You have something to share with the rest of the world. And it is now that the gospel, the good news has come unto you and has saved you to the uttermost. Hallelujah. That's the power of a testimony. The Bible will tell us in Revelations that we've overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. It says, don't be ashamed of it. Church, I am not ashamed of anything, hallelujah, that Jesus Christ has given me. I am a new creation in Christ Jesus. People that know me 20, 30 years ago, they can bring up my past, but I can look at them just like the Apostle Paul did, and I can say I have wronged no man. I am a new creation in Christ Jesus. All those old things have passed away, and behold, all things have become new. That is my testimony, hallelujah, and it comes through the power and life of Jesus Christ, which I continue to stand upon, which I continue to speak from, which I can walk in this pulpit right now and believe and trust that God is going to anoint His Word to come forth and to touch hearts and needy lives. Amen. Do you believe that today? Not Joey Mack, but Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. He says, don't be afraid of your testimony, nor of me, his prisoner, but you be a partaker of the afflictions of the gospel. It's going to be hard sometimes, church. According to the power of God, who has saved us, who has called us with a holy calling. Church, you know you're called with a holy calling today? Come on, God has set you apart for holy purposes if you know Him as your personal Lord and Savior today. How many people do we have in this house that's saved this morning? Come on, give Him some praise. Hallelujah. He saved you. He saved you. He raised you to the uttermost. Young Cody right here just gave his heart and his life to the Lord. Let me tell you, death has no more power over him. Hallelujah. For an eternity, for an eternity, it has no more power over him. Not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and his grace. Unmerited favor of God, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. Church, did you know that nothing catches the Lord by surprise? Isn't that wonderful to think about? Nothing catches the Lord by surprise. You ever notice how worked up and nervous and anxiety we get over things? What's going to happen? What's going to do this? What's going to do that? I became pastor of this church. I started worrying about every little thing. Did you know that? 
I was like, well, this person's angry, and this person got upset, and this person wants to leave, and this person, I didn't do what they wanted to do, so now they hate me. They didn't get their way, now they're mad at me. Is that not what happened? Well, wait about two years, and I'll do something you don't like, and you'll say, well, I didn't get what I wanted. I'm mad at you now. I was worried. You know what God finally said? think any of this surprised me? Do you believe I put you there? Yes, Lord. And it'll all work out exactly like I want it to work out. you believe that, church? Come on, give him some praise. Come on, remember this message when you get mad at me in about two months because I didn't do something you wanted. You're right, brother. You know how we get over it there? You're right. Through the life that Christ gives us. See, when you talk about life, you're talking about tomorrow. When you talk about life, you're talking about future. You ever thought of that? Death is no life. Death is the finale of things. But life is future and is expectation. We get over it. You're exactly right, my brother. Because we have a flow of life that comes with us. For everything that we need, everything. Come on, we're not always right. Lord knows I'm not always right, my God. But I trust in the Lord. And my Bible tells me that all things work together for good to those who love God to those who are called according to His purpose. We trust in the Lord for life. Verse 10 says this, But is now, this is Jesus Christ, made manifest, which means to make visible or made to be realized. It's revelation, manifest. It's before you. But is now made manifest, by the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who hath abolished death and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. So we see that Christ is the one who abolishes death. Let's see what Christ is actually abolishing. I think to truly understand that, we have to go back to the beginning. Turn with me back to the book of beginnings, to the book of Genesis. The book of Genesis, chapter 2. Genesis, chapter 2, and verse 8. We know that the Lord created the heavens and the earth. And we know that the earth was without form, was without void. And we know that there was darkness upon the face of the waters. And then we know that... God's spirit began to move upon the face of the waters and he caused the land to come up out of those waters. He caused the firmament, the stars to be in place. He made the sun and he made the moon. Then he began to create everything else, the trees, the mountains, the streams, all of these different things. Then he began to create life. He began to create the fowls of the air and the cattle upon the field. And we know that after all this that he finally decided to make a creation in his image. And this creation was called man. It is you and I. 
Somebody have said to me, they said, well, God's a spirit, and can we really see him? Look, I don't seek to understand all those things, but somebody says, well, what does God really look like? I would say that we look somewhat like him because my Bible tells me that we were made in the image of God. In fact, the very image of God that we have is our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. For we three are one, that he would say, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. The image of God is Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. But on the sixth day, he created man. He took dust and he literally formed man. And then after he had formed man in this shape and the desire that he chose to form him in, it says that he breathed life. If you look in the Hebrew, the word is the ruah. It is literally the breath of God that God breathed into his creation. And man began to come alive from that point. But then we know that God also created man to have a help mate, a help meet, which was what he called woman. He caused a deep sleep to come over man, and he took out one of his ribs, and he literally formed woman from the image of the man and gave her life as a mate unto man to walk beside him. Notice I didn't say behind him, men. <laughs> beside him, to be a help mate, a help meet unto him. But the Lord also tells us several things about where he placed man. It says that he formed this great and grand garden. And I want to tell you, even though this place was grand, it was wonderful, he provided all of the nourishment that they would need, all the protection that they would need, all of the safety, all the warmth, all of those things. It was, in essence, I've heard some people say it was a perfect environment. I don't know if it was really perfect. It may have been. We know that it was good because the Bible tells us that everything that God creates is perfect good and he placed man and woman in this garden and even allowed man to begin to name the animals but there's something also within us even before we see the sin nature entering into mankind which we're about to look at that God has always had present in man we see it's always been present in the angels and I want to tell you God is never going to take what I'm about to say away from you no matter where you are, God is never going to take away your free will. In fact, God allows, He doesn't cause, He allows your free will to override everything else should you choose to not follow after Him in His statutes and His ways and seek Him. He has ordained it. He has set it up that way. And the Bible tells us this in chapter 2 and verse 8, And the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground made the Lord God to grow every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food, and the tree of life also in the midst, which means the middle of the garden, and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And skip down to verse 15. And the Lord God took the man and put him into the garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat of it. For in the day that you eat thereof you shall surely die. And the Lord God said, it is not good that man should be alone. I will make for him a help meet for him, which we know was woman, which would later become by the name of Eve. 
God placed man into this great and wonderful environment. In fact, it was so great, it was so wonderful. Imagine this, that in the cool of the day, God himself would come down and he would walk and commune with man. Church, can you imagine that? Think about the times that just the Spirit overwhelms you in a service. Amen. You just can't get enough of it. You just caught up. Can you imagine being in the very presence of God, my Lord? And he would come down and commune with them. He would have time with them. He would have intimacy with them. But our God is not a tyrant. He doesn't force us to do anything. Instead, He wants us to love Him because we choose to love Him. He never would take away the aspect of free will, in essence, take away our freedom to choose what we desire to do and what we truly want. The angels also had it because it tells us that when Lucifer fell, that a third of the angels threw in their lot with him and also fell with him in the book of Ezekiel. It tells us that they also had the aspect of free will. And when man was in this garden, they had a choice to make. And we know that mankind cho chose to listen to the serpent and what the serpent was enticing Eve with and to make that decision when the serpent came into the garden. And I want to tell you, the Bible tells us this was a literal tree, amen. It wasn't some life force and all that goofiness. By the way, watch watching the History Channel and this ancient alien stuff when they tell you that it was a spaceship. It had a bunch of DNA. Anybody ever watch that? They said that it was a spaceship that they put DNA in. And they partook of that knowledge, and they had knowledge like church. It says it was a literal tree. When you look up the word tree right here when it talks about it, T-R-E-E, -E, it's just like the trees we got outside right now. I mean, it was a literal tree. And we know that there was power. There was some type of fruit up on it, obviously, that could bring this forth. But it was a literal tree fruit, whatever it was, we all say it was an apple, in fact it was probably a pomegranate, but whatever it was, it wasn't some glowing ball of energy, okay, it was some goofiness, it was some type of fruit that they literally could partake of, that they could take into themselves, and then the consequences of what they took into themselves would take place, but we know that the serpent appeared unto Eve, and beguiled her and tricked her and told her, Oh, you shall not surely die, but you shall be just like God. And you shall not surely be persecuted. You shall know good from evil. You shall have power. You shall be just like God. And they saw that it was lustful to the eyes. It was lustful to the flesh. It was lustful to that pride that, hey, we would be just like God. And they had the element of free will, which God never took away, which we still have even at this very moment for you believers who I'm preaching to right now that you can still have the choice to choose should you not want to continue to partake of the life source that is given unto you. You still have that element of free will. And we know that whenever Eve partook of this and she gave to her husband Adam and he saw that it was good to eat, he also partook of it. We know that sin from that very moment entered into mankind. That the sin nature from that very second, that very moment, entered into mankind. Therefore, it is now carried for every single child that is born, it shall be carried over to your children. So we receive our sin nature from our parents, and our parents received it from their parents going all the way back to Adam and Eve. 
it is through the seed of the man that it is carried over unto the children. So therefore, all of us were born with a bitterness inside of us to be selfish, to be jealous, to be greedy, to be lustful, to be this, to be these, to be liars, to be cheaters, to be stealers. I mean, the list is endless, is it not? We always want what we want, especially in America. And we'll kill somebody to get it, won't we? Come on, we'll slander their name, we'll talk about them, we'll do this, we'll do that to get what we want. We are born with a, a bentness to evil, whether we truly really know it or not. And we say things like, well, I only live for a certain amount of years. I'm going to live how I want to live by God. Yeah, you're going to live under the sin nature. And the Bible tells us that if you cannot get back to the tree of life, that you shall also die in your sins because he has told us that from the moment that you eat of the knowledge of the tree of good and evil, you shall surely die. Now, this is not just talking about your physical death. This is talking about your spiritual death. And it tells us that there is a place for those who have not experienced the new life, the new birth, being born again, as we see in John chapter 3, that they shall not only experience this physical life, this physical body, but they shall inherit a place in hell, a place of torment and suffering for an eternity. It's not just the physical death, but it is also the spiritual death for an eternity. Church, it's high consequences, is it not? Amen. For us, not getting back to the tree of life. Oh, i got to hurry. Turn with me now to chapter 3 in verse 22. Chapter 3 in verse 22 in Genesis. And the Lord God said, Behold, the man is become as one of us to know good and evil. And now lest he put forth his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore the Lord God sent him forth from the garden of Eden to till the ground from whence he was taken. So he drove out the man and he placed at the east of the garden of Eden cherubims, which are angels, and a flaming sword which turned every way to keep the way of the tree of life. So since the very beginning, man has been cast away from the tree of life. And what has reigned instead of life is death. Death chases us down. Death follows us. Death is a shadow. Every time we get sick in our bodies, even if it's just the common cold, the common fever, it is a shadow of death that will eventually come to the physical body if the Lord continues to tarry. From the very moment that we take our first breaths as babies, we literally are growing, but we also literally are dying from that very moment. We are dying physically from that very moment, and we are also dying spiritually from that very moment. It tells us, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God in Romans chapter 3 and 23.
Calvary. It tells us that there is not a just man upon earth that doeth good and sinneth not. In Ecclesiastes 7 and 20, it tells us that all of us truly are guilty. And because of living a life of sin, that we shall surely die one day. I want to tell you, this physical death that we oftentimes look at as the be-all, end-all, and it is in a sense, it's nothing compared to the eternity that one will suffer without life in Jesus Christ. So therefore, since we have been cast out, mankind has been pushed away from the tree of life. We have been trying from that very moment, from that very instance, to get back to the tree of life. But the Bible tells us that he could not allow man in his sinful condition to live for an eternity. As I heard one man state one time, imagine how it would be if someone like Adolf Hitler could never die and he just lived forever. Therefore, God cast mankind out of the garden so that in his sinful condition, in his heart, which is deceitful of all things and desperately wicked, it tells us that man was cast out of this place away from the tree of life so that he could not partake of this tree. Somehow this tree had power to give life through its fruit, through its life source. Therefore God separated man in this condition away from the tree of life. And all of mankind, all of us have been trying to determine how do we overcome death? How do we get past it? How do we have victory over it? In essence, how do we get back to the tree of life? I want to tell you today, you and I don't have to try and get back into Eden to get to the tree of life because God has brought the tree of life to us. Come on, it's in Jesus Christ, amen. God said, you cannot get back to the garden because I have guarded it. Therefore, I will bring the tree of life to you. We know that God himself would take the form of man. He would come down here to this life. He would live a perfect and holy life. He would take all the sins that ever had been, all the sins that ever would be, every negative thought, every time we broke the law, every time we sinned, everything we had ever done. God said, even though I'm a perfect and holy vessel and I have never sinned not one time, not in thought or in deed, I've never made a mistake in relation to the true laws, the true righteousness of God. God is perfect and He's holy. He is that spotless Lamb. Amen. He said, I will take all of those sins that ever have been, all that ever will be, and I will take them upon myself and I will pay the price for mankind. That price was paid at a place called Calvary, amen. And he was crucified for us. He shed his blood for us. He was beaten. He was bruised. An open show was made of him in that sin. They raised him up, amen. They thought they had the victory, but what they did not know is when Christ was dead and buried in that tomb, amen, he had truly paid the price of mankind. And because he was perfect, he was holy, death had no power over him. So since you and I can never overcome death, Christ came and overcome death for you and I. Can we give him some praise today for that? The Bible tells us with simplicity that if we will truly confess with our mouths the Lord Jesus Christ and believe in our hearts that God has raised him from the dead we shall be saved. 
For with the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. We identify with the sacrifice that was paid on our behalf for us. As the tree of life comes unto us, will we partake of the tree of life? will we choose to go our own way? I speak today not just to those who maybe don't know Jesus Christ in this service today, but I speak also to you believers. Are you partaking of the tree of life? Are you partaking of the source of life? If it's not Jesus Christ, then all it is is death. of life is there visible before us. Will we put all down and put it all aside and follow after Him? Or will we follow our own path? God has given us a way of escape and He's given us an opportunity to have life in Him for an eternity. And I want to tell you, it's just not about eternal life this morning. If you will partake of the tree of life, He says He shall give you the abundant life here and now. Do you believe that? A life overflowing. Come on. Christ just couldn't stand it. But you know, they had the feasts, they had the festivals that would happen. And at one of those festivals, it was believed it was about 300,000 to a million people that had come, descended upon Jerusalem for that festival. And they would be symbolic. They would take that water and they would walk up those steps to the pool of Shalom and they would actually pour out that water, it signified God pouring out His Spirit, His power unto all of mankind. But Christ was just standing there amongst that crowd and it was just building up inside of Him because He is the source of life. And when He could stand it no more, that He just knew it had to be released unto mankind. He had to tell mankind about the life that was now available to him. You see, he had such a heart, a desire, he had such a love for creation that he just couldn't allow him to remain in darkness, lost and gone and going to a devil's hell for an eternity. He had to just begin to speak about this new life source. And it says that he stood up and in a loud voice, he says, if any man drink, come unto me. Amen. If you have a desire, just come unto me and drink. For he who believes upon me, out of the scriptures have saith, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. Church, that's us today, amen. That's us that have the bellies of living water. That's us that have the abundant life. That's us that has the life source. That's us that has the answer. That's us, amen, that can speak about the gospel. That's us that has a testimony. That's us today, hallelujah, because we partake of the tree of life. Hallelujah. It's available unto us today. In fact, God is waiting on us to put aside everything we think is important in this life and get serious about God. Let me ask you, has God begun to move upon some of your hearts about getting a little more serious with Him? You know when God really started to move on me? I told you I started preaching about 30 days after I got saved. You know when God really started to move upon me? It wasn't right after I got saved. 
it was right after I decided that I was going to get serious with God. That I didn't just want the retirement plan. I wanted the life with Jesus Christ. I want to tell you, if you'll decide to get serious with God and put aside all that stuff you think is important, all that stuff that's been holding you back, let me tell you, it's not important. Your life in Christ is greater than any life you could ever live on your own. Greater, much, much, much greater. Come on, He'll give you eternal life. He'll give you that cleansing that you need so desperately. He'll give you that freedom. He'll give you that new heart. He'll give you brothers and sisters that will be closer and love you more than even your own physical siblings. Do you believe that? For an eternity! If we'll get serious with him. Just a little bit closer walk little bit closer walk with him. Church, do you desire that today? Come on, don't say it unless you mean it. Do you desire today? Would you stand today, please? Hmm. Church, how many of you was this word for you today? Sometimes we got to go back to the basics, amen? God, take me back. Take me back, Lord, to the basics. I'm just going to ask you this morning just to close your eyes, just begin to pray and seek Him. Come on, I'm not going to keep you long, I promise. It's just been a little bit. God, a lot of times it's that still, small voice. We've got many, many voices speaking to us all the time. God, He's that still, small voice. Oh, let's pray to Him. Come on, just a little bit of silence. Worship team, not today, not today. Thank y'all very much. Just a little bit of silence today. Come on, just begin to speak. so many things seeking our time seeking our interests seeking us as never before but today Lord God in the name of Jesus we give you Lord time Lord speak to our hearts right now reveal Lord God your purpose to us right now Help us, O oh Lord God, to be the people you created.
let your love overshower us right now, Lord God. Let us know that we're yours right now, Lord God. Let us know, Lord God, that we're saved if we truly are right now, Lord God. We're hurting. We're dying. We're lost and we're lonely and we're afraid. But Lord, you rectify all of us. Give us guidance, you give us discernment, you give us the way to path, for you are the way to path. Slow us down, O Lord, that we may feel you and experience you, Lord, on a much deeper, sensitive level, Lord. Lord, I feel you in my heart right now, Lord God, as I just stop. and lives. 